It is time for another VLGA Connect governance update. It's more than imminent. It is here with Stephen Cooper from the VLGA. Hi, Steve. Hello, Chris. And we've got a special guest in the waiting room. We'll let her in in just a moment. But I just wanted to touch base with you for your thoughts on our role of the Mayor live panel session yesterday, which I've got to say, I, you know, I know I always say this, but I think it was our best yet. I really do. Chris, you are sounding like Juan Antonio Samaranch at that succession of Olympic Games, that they're all the best ever. But that was a terrific um, panel, which I think is available on the VLGA website as a recording. Uh, Nolan Duff, Melissa Scadden and Peter Stevenson were just an excellent panel. And uh, a lot of really interesting stuff to come out, Chris. Some observations, Steve, just briefly before uh, Hannah joins us. Um, it's still a surprise how many people, candidates, uh, community people, don't really understand the difference of the role of councillor and mayor as opposed to CEO and getting involved in the operation and uh, the operational parts of the council organisation. I think, Chris, if you looked at the distinction between how that session was planned and what we thought would come up, that is absolutely on the money. It was surprising how many questions didn't get the distinction between, between those respective roles. Um, how many made assumptions about the powers of the council and a couple of quite concerning ones in terms of the employment arrangements with the chief executive officer mm. um, and the sort of the notion and the intent of the various types of meetings that councils attend. Um, so it was really good that we had a panel that was able to give those things an airing. And the other thing for me was this um, this mystery about how the mayor is selected and what that process is all about. And, and some people still not realising it's the group of councillors that make that determination. Hopefully that too. And a really uh, a resonating theme through um, the session, Chris, um, about the importance of the mayor setting the tone and the communication and resolving conflict within the group early uh, because of the costs once you get into those uh, arbitration and um, conduct panel type processes being quite enormous. So a really important role of, you know, working out how to work together and manage conflict early for the group. I want to get your thoughts on some of the information that's trickling through about uh, elections. But firstly, we have Hannah Duncan-Jones from Local Government Victoria waiting to speak with us. Uh, so we'll find out all about where it's at in terms of the Local Government Act implementation. Lovely to see Hannah from Local Government Victoria once again. Welcome. Thank you. And it's great to be back. Hannah? We had um, some terrific feedback from the last time you were on, so I think people are going to get used to hearing some of the latest intelligence out of LGV through you on this program, so we do appreciate that. And of course, exciting times at the moment with uh, uh, elections happening. We're in the vote counting phase. What's your mail on how um, the actual ballots have come back in, Hannah? Yeah, look, the, the mail is really, really good. As I understand it, um, there is a higher response rate at this stage um, than there was in the 2016 election. So um, it seems that, you know, people have been really looking at their local area and wanting to participate in the democracy around local government elections. And that was seen in the number of uh, people who undertook candidate training, who then became candidates and um, is following through as people mail their votes in with the last day for votes being tomorrow. So it is really exciting to see it's, it's tracking well, well ahead. Um, and I understand that there's some very high percentages in some um, councils in terms of the receipts um, and that it is tracking well ahead of 2016. So it's fantastic. In terms of actual voting, uh, both Steve and I have been watching the VEC website with, uh, with great interest, but there's not much to see there yet. 
Yeah, so the, the VEC um, will start uploading the results once voting um, had that time frame between the election and the receipt of votes has closed, and that will be tomorrow. So its final day for receipt of votes is tomorrow, and once that's happened, um, we'll start seeing those results uploaded. So you can see where people have been elected unopposed. That's just a few um, of the council seats across Victoria, but um, you'll be starting to see more over the weekend and into next week. And you can see that the VEC have got their website well established for everybody to go in and see their local results and see what happened um, through that democratic process. The governance and integrity regulations are now in place and that's bringing a range of things forward that will apply to this next phase of inducting of councils. Do you want to touch on some of those significant changes for us, Hannah? Yeah, so look, there are quite a few significant changes in the governance and integrity uh, regulations. And one of the first things that all councillors need to do once they come in um, to office is to take the oath of office. And importantly, the regulations in these COVID times provide for that to be done electronically um, and it doesn't need to be witnessed. So you just need the councillor and the CEO um, to be connected electronically to undertake that oath in the appropriate format. So that makes it much easier. Um, for councillors. Importantly, there was information in relation to the council induction process and um, how that will be undertaken, what subjects need to be um, covered, and there's more information on Engage Vic about how you might undertake that induction um, that's been worked through through a co-design process. A big change and an area that is really tricky for um, everybody is understanding a conflict of interest. And so the new act simplifies that. And so it's a general or a material conflict, much simpler than the previous act. Um, and it's just one of those things that everybody will need to, to work through and make sure that they understand. But I guess with any conflict of interest or potential conflict of interest, it's always good just to have a conversation to somebody and say, you know, this is my situation. Do you think I should? or I think I shouldn't because this is my situation and, and talk it through so that you get an understanding because conflicts are about perception um, and it's really important that you understand how your actions are going to be perceived. So that's really, really important in relation to that. Um, personal interest returns have been revised um, and there is some changes in the requirements, particularly in relation to um, officers um, and now it is the CEO's prerogative to nominate which officers need to fill in a personal interest return. Um, and they'll need to undertake that by thinking through what is the role of this officer? What statutory functions do they hold? Why would it be important from transparency and integrity perspectives for a personal interest return to be made? Um, but it's also really important to note that if you've been a previous councillor or if you're an existing councillor employee, this starts a whole new regime. So um, for new councillors, they need to do their new personal interest return within 30 days of coming into office. And with officers, they need to do it within 30 days of being requested by the CEO to do so. Um, we're going to very, very shortly, if not imminently, um, have up on the um, LGV Engage website some frequently asked questions around personal interest to answer some of those tricky questions that people will look out when they fill out the form um, and also an example personal interest return so that you know councils can pick that up and if it suits their needs, use it as is or put it on their, their templates, those sorts of things. But it covers off what the regulations require to be covered off. And are the standards of conduct as well are covered by those regulations and they're going to be important as councils develop their code of conduct, which they have four months to do, 
Um, is this significantly different, do you think, to what's been in place in the past? Look, I'm, I'm hoping so, because I'm hoping that what has been put in place is a system that really enables people to understand the behaviours that will accord or not accord with those standards. Now, we did undertake a um, consultative piece in relation to those standards before they went into the, um, the regulations. We consulted, we had four, we now have five. Um, standards. So it's important to go back and have a look and make sure that um, you're across those. Um, the main changes were in relation to ensuring that we were aligned with other legislation, the constitution, those sorts of things that we weren't in, in any way impeding on people's rights by putting those standards in place. So that's really, really important. Um, so really it's, you know, treatment of others, um, performing your role as counsellor, compliance with good governance, um, the councillor must not discredit or mislead the councillor public, but standards do not limit robust political debate. And so it's, it's really about behaviours and how those behaviours will align with those standards. Um, and hopefully the way they're worded, the fact that they're uniform across the state so everybody can learn together um, and talk to each other about those standards will help us ensure that um, it's clear and people know how to behave and how not to behave and um, to uphold those standards, which is such an important thing in public office. Hannah, I presume in that sense, there's a distinction between robust debate and um, aggressive or abusive debate. So uh, any comments on that one? Yeah, look, it was it was important to ensure that the, the standards didn't in any way stop people from involved, being involved in what is really important part of democracy, that robust debate. But if that debate is around um, playing the, the person instead of the ball, um, those sorts of things, then it crosses the line and um, if it's in any way um, could be deemed as harassment or discrimination, again, it crosses the line. So it's about how you have that robust debate that's on topic um, and sticks to the topic and doesn't bring in any unnecessary behaviours. And allows, one would assume, for that to happen, but once a council decision is made in the chamber that then councillors are under some obligation to not discredit, uh, to go back to the words in that fourth point, the mm -hmm. council wants that decision is made, even if they disagree with it. Absolutely. So, you know, it's obviously there, there is still rights for, that people have, but if you have come to a decision as a council, then it is about upholding that decision and then allowing that decision to be acted on mm -hmm. um, and not utilising behaviours or methods that would discredit that decision. Hannah, can we just touch on allowances quickly before we let you go? Councillor allowances, mayoral allowances. My understanding is the current system is still in place and will be for quite some time. That's correct. So the um, the tribunal will be making the decision next time in relation to um, allowances, and we expect that to be happening sort of towards the middle of next year. Um, and so in the, the current environment, um, the allowances have been rolled over exactly as they are. Um, and there will be then a process that the tribunal will advertise and talk about, about how they're going to undertake that, that process. We're already in discussions with them so that they're getting up to speed on um, what is a, a different tier of government um, than what they've been operating in because their role currently is around the Victorian Parliament. And so, you know, there's some differences between those two um, tiers of government that they need to, to understand and um, we'll keep on having those discussions and we'd expect to hear more about that process um, sort of in 2021. So can I just clarify, the, uh, the, the current system doesn't envisage 
the ability to pay a deputy mayor a different allowance to that of councillor or mayor, but the new Act does provide for that possibility. Is it your um, uh, view that the tribunal will make a call on whether there should be or could be an allowance for deputy mayors? So it's it's something for them to consider, and so I won't um, you know put words into their mouth, but it's something that they could consider whether they make a call on it or not. Um, will be for them to determine. Thank you for clarifying that, because I know with new councillors coming in, there's and you know, and they're reading the act. There's yeah. already some questions coming to CEOs about that very matter. Steve, have you got anything for Hannah before we let her step off the grill, so to speak? Thanks, Chris. It's the 29th of October today. Hannah, I'm just wondering if there are any more LGV Connect episodes coming up. Oh, excellent that you asked that, Steve. So we've got one tomorrow at one o'clock. Um, we already have over 200 people um, registered to attend, but it's going to be a really exciting um, LGV Connects about reporting back really widely on the work we've been doing through co-design on the integrated strategic planning and reporting framework. Um, and there's some great speakers lined up. So please, if you've got the opportunity, log in at one o'clock um, to LGV Connects. I've got to say, Steve, I thought the VLGA LG Pro was pulling a good audience for our panels, but, you know, Hannah's getting over 200 to an oh. LGV Connect. We may as well just all give up and go home. Not that we're bitter and twisted about it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Thank you, Hannah. We really do appreciate you coming on the program on a regular basis and giving us those insights. Uh, all the best for these next few very busy weeks, and we'll look forward to catching up again soon. Excellent. Thank you. That's been a really useful uh, recap of where it's at with Hannah, Steve. I want to come back to council elections before we wrap it up for this week. A lot of activity on Twitter. We're seeing a lot of information from scrutineers. Uh, that's really the only source of information uh, at the moment. What are yeah. your observations? Uh, can we draw too much from this at this point? Well, I think, Chris, it's been interesting that um, obviously scrutineers have been posting the information that they've received um, from the particularly the electronic counts being conducted so far. Um, a lot of, uh, not, but not always, it, it seems an apparent benefit of incumbency um, so far uh, with some quite well-known incumbent councillors polling strongly. Yeah, I'm seeing the same, some really strong personal votes for some existing councillors yet to really get a feel for whether the gender balance is going to be improved or changed in, in any way at this point. No, not at the moment, Chris. And I did notice just as at this morning, the, uh, the VEC have the templates set up and ready to go. So any keen election watches, I think from tomorrow, as Hannah said, uh, when the, the receipt of votes closes, it's seeming that the VEC is set to go with the posting of information. So keep an eye on that website. We will indeed. That's probably going to take up our next few days or a fair bit of it. Thank you, uh, Steve. Great to catch up as always. We'll see you again soon on the Governance Update. Thanks, Chris. Steve Cooper with us. That's the Governance Update for this week from VLGA Connect.